And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to another installment of the Wide Ride Podcast. Manny Navarro from The Athletic here, joined once again by Carlos Ledo of the MIA All Day Podcast. It is Wednesday, December 27th, two days after Christmas, as you can tell by my gingerbread uh, man t-shirt, right around uh, 12.30 p.m. We're going to go about 45 minutes in this episode. I got to record another podcast here soon with the Until Saturday crew, Little Stars Matter action. Carlos, the last show that we did was right before signing day, and Miami ended up uh, with the number four recruiting class in the 247 Sports Composite. Uh, basically, everything I thought would happen on signing day did. Miami flipped Armando Blunt, which I told you was sort of a bad secret. Uh, they were uh, they they struck out on Jeremiah Smith. He decided to, uh, to to go to Ohio State anyway and probably forego some more money. Um, but still, uh, top four recruiting class. Um, and and really, when you look at it, uh, the, the kind of step you need to take in year two for Mario. Listen, we talked about it last show. Uh, we said there's a big difference between a top five recruiting class and a top 10 recruiting class. And those top five recruiting classes are the ones that launch your program into that elite status. Those are the That's the level of talent you need to acquire on a consistent basis to be able to compete with the best teams in the nation. And he did it. And he did it coming off of a seven, five, a seven to five season, coming off a five and, seven, five and seven season the year before. Um, you know, it's it's impressive what he does on the recruiting trail. Now, it just has to translate onto the field, and that's that's the hope now that he's loading up with enough talent that eventually it's it's going to be so overpowering that it, it translates to the field in a big way. You know, it sucked losing Jeremiah Smith, but we all expected him to go to Ohio State. There was that last-minute drama where he was, like, uh, going back and forth, making sure the docs were signed. Will I? Won't I? And uh, everybody on Twitter was going nuts for about a 12-hour period, but then finally he sent his fax in. And uh, or maybe you send it by messenger pigeon, uh, like the Flintstones. But um, he he uh, ended up not coming to Miami. But Miami had a great haul. I mean, if they would have landed him, it would probably have been. I know that 2007 class was ranked number one in the country, but this, in terms of top to bottom talent, if Jeremiah Smith had signed, might have been the greatest recruiting class in in Hurricanes history. And uh, all credit to Mario and the staff. They worked their asses off. They got it done. They overcame a lot of negative recruiting, rightfully so. There's a lot of negatives that people could point to, but, and they, but apparently they have a vision, right? And they're selling this vision. Clearly they're selling it strongly and kids are believing in it, which not only speaks to their ability to ability to recruit, but I think it speaks to the makeup of the kids that are recruiting because they're buying into that culture and that vision themselves. So they don't have to be sort of uh, acclimated to it or forced to be ingrained into that culture. They're bringing that with them because that's what they want. Right. That's what they were sold on. That's what they're coming in expecting. And they want to be a part of that. So to me, it's been fantastic seeing this happen. 
Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about roster building. I uh, broke down all four uh, playoff teams, uh, Michigan, Alabama, Washington, and Texas, and that's going to be part of the show that I do uh, with Stars Matter. But, Carlos, I figured, you know, it'd be good to sort of discuss, you know, the state of Miami's roster, right, and and what it takes to be a playoff team, what it is to be a semifinal team. Obviously, next year the playoffs will expand to 12 teams, but you think about what's it going to take to be in the final four, what's it going to be to uh, to build a championship roster. I was just going to go over some of the highlights from, from the way Michigan built it, the way Alabama uh, and Nick Saban built their roster, the way Washington did it, the way Texas did it, and sort of see, you know, if if Mario is, is getting there, so to speak, with, with the way he's recruiting and, and the way that he's doing it. Uh, we'll get into that in a bit. Tomorrow, of course, uh, Thursday afternoon, Hurricanes will be playing in New York, uh, Yankee Stadium, in the Pinstripe Bowl against Rutgers. They're a one-point favorite. We'll finally get a chance to see uh, Jakari Brown. We'll talk a little bit about the game. We're going to get to some mailbag stuff um and 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 discuss uh really i think uh what ultimately miami needs to do to win and, and how important it really is in that pinstripe bowl i don't i don't know that a win is is as important as as seeing jakari brown take a step forward and seeing some of these younger guys carlos but uh we'll talk about that a little bit but before we get to all that carlos i gotta show off my christmas present to me can i do that what did you get for christmas uh socks okay i bought myself the new candela pickleball paddle just came out and this is the cover for it okay it looks nice but this is what it this is what it looks like it is a cat five okay i don't know why they decided to go with the hurricane reference carlos but they did the cat five candela paddle and seeing how as i as i uh, help promote um you know candela products uh and and you know one of their ambassadors i wanted to get it on the show wanted to talk about it i played with it this morning over at Plant- uh, Plantation Central Park. Some good games. Great paddle, man. And if you use the uh, wide right 10 code, you get a discount on it. These these paddles just came out. They just started to go on sale last Wednesday. If you're a pickleball player, go out and pick one up. Uh, I think they run about 200 bucks. You use my discount, you'll get uh, you'll get 10% off. So uh, go out there. Let me tell you, if they, if they still allowed, um, you know, nuns and priests to paddle people in Catholic schools, <laughs> that thing right there would do some damage. That Cat 5 would have people's asses wheezing, my friend. Damn! They would. Sick. They certainly would. Uh, speaking of using paddles, let's talk about the bowl game for a little bit here. Uh, man, first of all, I'm covering the Orange Bowl. I'm, I'm leaving for Orlando tomorrow. I'm going up to the Under Armour All-American game to do media day to talk to a bunch of the top recruits, and I'll do a story for The Athletic there. Uh, but I'm coming back Saturday to cover the Orange Bowl, and Florida State has lost 20 players have opted out of this game either because of the draft or because of whatever. They're getting into the transfer portal. Um, they're playing Georgia. Uh, I know people say I root for FSU, and I'm a huge FSU fan, but good golly, 20 players that that, that just went 13-0 and are not playing in that game, Carlos. <laughs> are you going to be tuning in to watch the Orange Bowl when that game is played uh, on, on December 30th, Saturday, at 4 p.m.? Do you want me to be honest? I wasn't going to tune in to begin with. If everybody like, I, don't, I had no interest. In <laughs> You're not going to tune in to see Florida State uh, get a pop, get pounded. No, no. Listen, that's always a good thing. Seeing Florida State get railed, but um, no, man, I got other things to do. Like, if I don't have to sit in front of a television and watch a, a team that I can't stand, I won't do it. Um, even if it means I'm losing, like it just it upsets me because even when they make a positive play, if they score a touchdown or they happen to win, it's just it's just you know ulcer inducing, and I don't need that in my life. I'd rather be uh, happy and drunk during the holidays. That's what I want to do. <laughs> Drink a little coquito, or do you have coquito? I I went out and I bought some for uh, for Christmas. Listen, bro, my wife Joanna makes the best coquito. You ever really? Tasted it? 
Okay, yeah. what does she use? What is the uh, ingredients there? I can't. I can't tell you that. Okay, that is that is a secret. It's so secret she won't tell me. All right, my my coquito had a little bit of whiskey, a little bit of bourbon, a little bit of vodka. I mean, it, this this thing is loaded up with all kinds. No, no, no. Of what liquor. you had was a Long Island iced tea with some cream and sugar, my friend. That ain't no coquito. <laughs> coquito is just straight rum. That's the way you do well, it. Well, you got to tell her to make some for Navarro's when we come over next time. Yeah, no, she's got a. Uh, I've got some in a Yeti cup that I continuously just fill up throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Just a little pour, just a little shot. Boom. Give me get a little pick me up, a little coquito. So by the time you know six, seven o'clock rolls around, I'm sloshed and I don't even know how it happened. <laughs> well, but a good coquito has that sweet taste, that cinnamon. You can taste the cinnamon, the nutmeg, and then you really don't taste the rum, so it's very sneaky. Yeah. That's the way you want it. Yeah. I, I may have to bring some to Mike Norvell so you can have some on the way home back to Tallahassee after uh, what happens to them on Saturday. Let's talk about the Canes for a minute. Um, the bowl game. What are you most looking forward to aside from Jakari Brown? Is there anything else that when you look at the roster, you say, ah, these, this is, these are the guys I want to see because really seven and five, eight and five, you know, seven and six, kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's all, it's all the same. Really the big, win for the Hurricanes was a recruiting class. Other than that, if they win the bowl game, that's, you know, it's gravy on top. To me, what I'd like to see is, you know, maybe them get Brashard Smith more involved, see if they can convince him to stay, uh, give him an idea of what his role might be next season if he stays on. Um, maybe get Ray Ray Joseph involved, maybe get some of the younger guys on offense involved. Same thing on defense, see some of the younger guys get some run, make some plays in the bowl games. You saw that be a stepping stone for Wesley Besaint. Um Last season, uh, you know, towards the end of the season, he got some run, was able to parlay that into more playing time in the starting role this year. You know, have more of that build up for these young guys so they can make a, an easier transition going into spring, into the fall. To me, I, I just want to see that. I want to see those guys, those younger guys take a step forward. You know what you have in the older guys? You want to see what you have in terms of the replacements for Cam Kitchens, James Williams, all the guys that are leaving, Leonard Taylor and see what you have on the roster and what's left to fill in the gaps, right? Because you, you've you gone out and you've made one or two portal additions, but now going into the spring and during the spring portal season, you're going to make more. You're going to see what you have. And I think the bowl game is a good indicator of where those holes lie and where you see future potential in what you currently have in the roster and what you have to keep or turn over. Yeah, nine departures from Miami, just to remind the the, uh, the fans. Nine guys uh, de departed for the transfer portal, five for the NFL draft. So 14 total guys who were on the field for Miami uh, at Boston College were in uniform. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, Don Chaney Jr., Colby Young, Frank Ladson, Jaleel Skinner, and then um, – on, on uh, your offensive line, Javian Cohen and Matt Lee. So those are your offensive uh, starters slash contributors, although Frank Latson didn't really play. Uh, you, you had, what, seven guys, six guys there on offense. And then on defense, you have Chance Williams, Jafari Harvey, Cyrus Moss, Corey Flagg, Leonard Taylor, James Williams, and Cam Kitchens, the last three, of course, entering the NFL draft earlier. Those guys were starters. Flagg is, was kind of a rotational player along with Harvey. Uh, not necessarily a starter. So you're going to be missing some guys in this bowl game. Rutgers is a one-point underdog going into this game. They're a really good defensive team, uh, although I would say, um, you know, they, they also have, uh, you know, not been necessarily consistent on that side of the ball. I think they're top 20, top 30 on defense. They run the ball well. They really haven't lost too many guys through the portal um, that were meaningful. So uh, they pretty much have the majority of their team, and, and they were a 6-6 six and six uh outfit this year in the big 10 so i think six and six did i get the record wrong for rutgers god let me look this up 
I hope I didn't get the Rutgers record wrong. No, they were six and six, three and six in conference play. They lost their last four games. So game will be played uh, at Yankee Stadium, as I said, in the cold. I think it's about 40 degrees. Um, Carlos, do you believe anymore that there's momentum? You know, you win a bowl game that that carries over into uh, the fall or, or, or the roster so different nowadays with the transfer portal and new faces that it's almost like it's just a glorified exhibition. How do you feel I about mean- it? I mean, in this kind of a situation, we're playing a six and six team that's also sub five hundred in conference. There's really no momentum to be had to begin with. I think, like I said before, it's more about seeing what you have in terms of the young guys on the roster, getting them some game experience, using this as a glorified scrimmage, so to then head into the spring and build momentum into the spring in terms of what your roster construction is going to be like, what some roles are going to be like for some of these young guys, who's capable of what when the bullets are flying for real um, and not just in practice. And using that as a springboard for what you're going to do next season in terms of your roster construction. But in terms of real momentum moving forward, like, hey, you know, let's beat our chest. We beat, we beat a 6-6 six and six Rutgers team uh, by scoring a touchdown, by sliding into second base at Yankee Stadium. That's not, that's not going to be something they're, they're going to be too proud of. No. Uh, Canes have added, I believe, four additions, right, through the transfer portal. Zach Carpenter, uh, the center, three guys on defense, C.J. Clark. Uh, Marley Cook, Savion Riley, the safety, uh, Clark and Cook will will be helpful uh, making up for the losses of Leonard Taylor and Branson Dean. Carpenter will help make up for Matt Lee at center, Savion Riley at at safety for James Williams and Cam Kitchens. Uh, Miami still has more shopping to do in the portal, and and obviously we have yet to talk about quarterback. I spoke to Max Olson, uh, the Athletics Transfer Portal Authority, the one who I told you has a really good relationship with Cam Ward's family, wrote a big story on him couple years ago when he was coming out of incarnate ward uh max is on vacation he answered the phone for me so here's what he told me he said ultimately here that uh the ward family is in no rush to make a decision here and i think you know if you read the tea leaves carlos florida state still doesn't have a quarterback either right uh they were they also take a look at took a look at dj Uyungle. the hurricanes also took a look at uh, will howard i think will howard has been projected now to end up with ohio state um, but Ohio State kind of has their own delicate situation there with, with Devin Brown. So I, I think what all of this tells me, and Max and I agreed, that everybody's sort of waiting on Cam Ward to decide. Is he going to go pro or is he going to go to Miami or Florida State? I think once that domino falls, once that family decides to make a decision, I think right now they have all the leverage, right? They're holding out. They're, uh, they're, they're, they can they can go as sort of at their own pace. I think once that family makes a decision, you'll see what happens with DJ Uyungle. If he ends up going to Florida State, you'll see what happens with Will Howard. But I think that's why we haven't seen any motion because the reality is I'm sure Florida State has told DJ Uyungle your option number two. And I'm sure Miami has told uh, Will Howard your option number two. But the fact that none of those guys have committed, even though there's been a lot of time, tells me they're all waiting on, on Cam Ward. He is choice number one. I know there were some rumblings last week from the Miami fan base. Oh, he's going to commit this weekend. They got on Twitter. They started this whole hashtag thing. Oh, get Cam Ward to Miami. Guys, uh, I get it. The coaching staff and everybody wants to generate excitement to get this thing done. It always comes down to dollar figures, Carlos. Yeah, look, and it sucks that he's holding, basically holding Miami the program hostage and trying to ransom them for maybe a couple extra hundred grand. Um, because if he had a decision, a true decision to make, if he was really mulling this over, he would have done it by now. There's no need to take the additional time, right? I think an extra week or two or three really isn't making any difference in terms of your decision-making process. By now, you would know after visiting the schools, after sitting down with your family, after going through the options, speaking to the NFL, you know what you want to do. At this point, it's saying, all right, 
NFL told me I'm a fourth, fifth round grade. What's the the, the average salary or minimum salary I'm going to be making as a fourth or fifth rounder? What's my average bonus? What's my bonus slot? Um, and what are my chances of making a roster? And factoring all those things in and coming up with a number and then saying, okay, if I come back to school, then I need to either make that or double that in case of injury. And that's yeah. what he's probably trying to do. He's probably, say, probably thinking, okay, I'll get what, 650 a year, two and a half and a signing bonus. Let's break that down to a yearly uh, average, 1.8, 1.9. That's what I need to to come back to college because that'll be my first year NFL salary. If I'm missing out on the NFL and risking injury for it, I need to get paid like I'm in the league. So I think that's what he's what he's doing. And and at this point, it seems like Miami is ultimately interested in in making whatever they need to do or doing whatever they need to do to make that offer happen to bring them here in terms of dollar figures. I don't know if there's a point where they're willing to walk away from the table and say that's just too much for us and move on to a different quarterback. Um, if they are, that means they think that highly of Cam Ward and they think he's really the guy and the guy that could take him to the next level. If not, if they feel that there's a comparable option, then they just drop him and move on to somebody else. But it, since it's gone on this long, to me it's pretty obvious they feel that it's their number one guy. Yeah, and I think Florida State as well. Otherwise, it would have already uh, gotten uh, DJ Uyunglele to come through. Will Howard, uh, I think he's probably, you know, Miami's got to be up there for him, right? It's the same type of concept. Uh, they're all waiting to see what Ward does. And Honestly, he... I think Will Howard to me, if Ohio State to me is a better fit for him. Right. Okay. Because of their offense. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll see what uh, ends up happening here. It's a very delicate situation, but I, I would urge Miami fans ultimately to take a couple deep breaths and not worry about it. Enjoy the holidays. Enjoy your family. Enjoy uh, enjoy pickleball if you can go out there and play some pickleball, Carlos. Like a, with a Candela Cat 5. With a Candela Cat 5. All right, so I just wanted to go over. Obviously, the college football playoff is this weekend, and uh, Michigan is playing Alabama. And Washington is playing Texas. And I, I broke down the rosters, Carlos, from like a recruiting perspective. How many five stars, how many four stars, snap counts, career starts, all those kind of things to be like, okay, can Miami get to the point? You know, how many transfers does it take to sort of build these rosters? See, this this sort of analysis is why I love uh, being on the show with you because I, it requires me to do none of the work and just piggyback off the information. Thank you for that. This is my Christmas gift. <laughs> you give me this Christmas gift, and I really appreciate it. All right. Well, first of all, what I did, just to give the, the uh, listeners some understanding, I basically went the top 23 players in terms of snap counts, okay, offense and defense, right? Because they're rotational players. They get meaningful snaps. They're all about 80 snaps of the season or more, like 80 or 90. I did it offense and defense. And I basically went back and looked at recruiting rankings, right? Like how many four stars, how many five stars, uh, what states did they get these kids from? How old are they? Like how many years have they been in college? Um, Michigan is a program, Carlos, that you have said that you think Mario is sort of building, right? Like if he can build yep. it in, in, in the shape of Michigan, they've now this is the third straight year. They've made the college football playoff. They've won the big 10 multiple times. Jim Harbaugh is sort of taking his time. Um, I found this interesting in my breakdown of Michigan. Okay. When you think of Michigan, you think of big burly offensive linemen, right? Yeah. Do you think they're all homegrown? Probably not. <laughs> because of the way that I phrased the question. Well, no, I no, because I imagine if you're going to have a top five uh, recruiting class, right, on a consistent basis, you're going to be an elite program, you can't rely on just in-state recruiting. That goes for Florida and Texas and California. You've got to be national. And I think they grow big hog mollies all over the country. You know, particularly in the Midwest, you can pick guys up from Ohio, pick guys up from Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas, 
uh, Florida. Eh. But those are the areas you want to pick from. Well, what I what I meant was building their offensive line through the transfer portal or through high school recruiting. Uh, when I when I talk about uh, yeah. you know homegrown so, sort of thing, uh, this team that's going to take the field uh, against Alabama in the Rose Bowl, uh, their left tackle they plucked him off from Arizona State. Okay, he's a three star from the class of 2019. 37 starts, 2300 snaps. Uh, their starting center Drake Nugent. Uh, they plucked him out of Stanford, okay, in the transfer portal. Uh, he's a three-star kid out of Colorado, 37 starts, 2,300 snaps. Their left guard, homegrown, meaning he was a Michigan recruit, four-star, number 178 overall, 35 career starts, 2,100 snaps. So from left tackle to center, Carlos, <laughs> you have over 2,100 snaps, right? Uh, that's hard to do. Right. Hard to, to just recruit those guys. Sometimes you got to go into the portal and pluck them. And obviously, Mario has proven that here by getting JV and Cohen uh, going out and getting Matt Lee and now Zach Carpenter. So, you know, sometimes you're going to have to go to the portal to fill gaps. Uh, they're starting right guard Carson Barnhart. He's um, 28 career uh, starts, 1900 snaps. So, again, another guy who's played a ton of football and he's homegrown from Michigan, four star recruit. And their right tackle, Trente Jones, four-star recruit, number 108, out of Georgia, 12 career starts. Uh, they did lose one of their best offensive linemen, Zach Zenter. But the point is, um, building elite offensive linemen, sometimes you get them three-stars, sometimes you get them five-stars, sometimes you get them you know, through recruiting, sometimes you get them through the portal. The point is, the one common denominator is all of these guys have played a ton of football together and have a ton of college snaps. And if you're going to build an offensive line, it's got to be complete. And that's the thing that's going to be interesting here with Mario is how do you maintain that, right? Because players get unhappy, Carlos, right? They, oh, I'm not playing enough. I'm going to get into the portal. Like Samson Okalol is the perfect example, um, Who they who's a five-star recruit, super talented, uh, is he going to be okay if he's not in the starting lineup next season? His brother's at Colorado. Is he going to get lured to go play with his brother in Colorado, which obviously needs offensive linemen? So when you're building a championship team, again, this is a small window, but it's a look at Michigan and their offensive line, right? That's their strength. That's what Mario basically is building here at Miami. The offensive line is a strength. Um, it's not easy to build it. It never is. And I think out of all the positions in football, offensive line is probably the hardest to project mm -hmm. and recruit. Um, because it's real easy when the guy's massive, right? And he's just dominating smaller uh, high school defensive linemen and linebackers and things of that nature. And you could clearly see, you know, wow, this guy's a monster. But sometimes that doesn't translate. Um, offensive line is also a very cerebral position. So like you were saying, the more snaps you get, the more fronts you see, the more defenses throw at you, the more you're, it becomes muscle memory in terms of how you react to certain things on the field. And aside from quarterback, that's the position that uses their brain the most. They need to really focus on what defenses are doing up front in terms of their alignment, their movement, their blitzes, where things are coming from in terms of the angles, and work together as a unit to sort of sort that stuff out and figure out who has what to protect the quarterback and to create gaps for the running backs. So it, it's difficult to recruit in the sense, like I said, it's obvious when a guy's massive, you think that's going to be the guy, but other times some guys are undersized. I'll give you an example. Look at Zion Nelson. He was a 230, 240-pound high school offensive lineman, came to the University of Miami, gained 50 pounds, more or less, uh, within a year, year and a half, became a starting left tackle for a while until he had the foot injury, and he was projected to be a first-round pick, right? So you never know where you're going to find these guys. It's, it's, it's difficult to project, and it's difficult to identify 
really good offensive lineman when it's not obvious. And I think Mario and Alex Mirabal do a really good job of that. And then the second part of that is when you got guys with the talent, can you develop them? Can you make them better offensive linemen? Because again, people can get away with a lot of stuff at the high school level when they're bigger and stronger. At the next level, when everybody's just as big and strong, or even bigger and stronger, now you have to rely more on technique and in terms of how you uh, use your leverage to block a defensive lineman, to slide into a gap, things of that nature. So O-line is as critical as it is. It's probably one of the more difficult positions, if not the most difficult to recruit. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. What was interesting to me, Carlos, Michigan always has a great offensive line. They've won the Joe Moore Award given to the top offensive line every single year for what feels like a while. But this year they didn't win it. Washington won it. Uh, and Washington, you think of Washington, Carlos, you think of Michael Penix, you think mm -hmm. of Ro Romeo Donze, the wide receiver, you think of all these big play guys. Uh, so I looked at the Washington offense, okay, and this is really interesting. Um Michael Penix transfer. Dylan Johnson, the running back, transfer. Uh, Rome Odunze was was recruited by Washington out of high school. He was a four-star kid out of Nevada. Uh, their next two receivers, Jalen Polk, 
uh, Jeremy Ber Bernard. Uh, those are guys that that came out of the transfer portal. Giles Jackson, another receiver, the top five receiver for him, all out of the transfer portal. The offensive line, all homegrown starters, all all Washington uh, high school recruits. Uh, their left tackle, uh, Troy Fatanu, uh, 29 career starts, 2,000 snaps, uh, four-star guy. Their left guard is a four-star guy. Their center is a three-star guy, and their right guard is a four-star, and their right tackle is a four-star. But when you look at you know career snaps and workloads, the only guys who are over 1,800 snaps are the left tackle and right tackle, and yet they win the Joe Moore Award this year for having, I think, the fourth-ranked passing offense and the sixth-ranked rushing offense uh so uh homegrown works as well and they don't all have to be five stars right and i think you see the mix of homegrown with transfer portal guys mm -hmm. i think we can go out and get someone who's an obvious upgrade um and who can be an impact player like a michael Penix. Mm -hmm. um you go out and get them and you add to your roster now the the trouble becomes when you do something like florida state and you build almost your entire starting 22 on transfer portal guys mm -hmm. and then what you're doing is not only shortchanging the guys that have been on the roster for a while, you're, you're sort of telling the recruits that you're bringing on board that, Hey, we're not going to prioritize you. We're going to go out there. We're going to get these other guys to fill your spots for you. And if you develop, you develop. If not, we'll just find other guys off the street to bring in and replace you. It, it doesn't send a good message and it's really short term, uh, you know, wins, short term gratification and sacrificing the long-term vision of the program, and the foundation, which is the difference between what Mario is doing and what Mike Norvell has done. Mario's building a foundation through recruiting and plugging in transfer portal guys where he needs to, not necessarily where he wants to. And he's filling those gaps until those guys that he's recruiting get to the level where he can count on them on a consistent basis. And he has enough depth of talent on the roster where he can just say, okay, this is all we're going with and maybe have one or two portal guys a year. Texas is interesting. Um, you know, they, they built an interesting Roger Quinn. Ewers is, is a homegrown Texas guy. He went to Ohio state for one year, but basically came back via the portal. So in that like, game, let's, let, let's, let's talk about Quinn Ewers for a second, right? Go ahead. That dude had a mullet since he was in fourth grade. <laughs> okay? That dude was, he's been chewing skull since he was like in fifth grade. And my man decides to go to Ohio state, bro. There is no body built for Texas. And there's never him. been a player built for Texas like Quinn Ewers. Come on. Yes, yes. Well, uh, what I was going to add here, Carlos, about Texas is uh, Sark basically built this roster without much in the way of transfer portal. You look at the guys, the key rotation guys, offense and defense, both of them. These are the only transfers for them. Quinn Ewers, okay, A.D. Mitchell, who they got out of Georgia. That's their top receiver. Uh, he's 27 career starts. He's a four-star guy. He, they got him from Georgia. And then on defense, their top two cornerbacks, Ryan Watts, Gavin Holmes. Uh, Watts, four-star guy. Holmes is a three-star guy. When you look at you know, the 45, 46 guys who really play for Texas, that's it in terms of transfer portal. Like, that's pretty impressive. Washington, I mentioned a bunch of them that came through the transfer portal. Um, on defense, though, Washington only has their their, their number one cornerback, Jambar Muhammad. He is uh he is a transfer portal guy. One of their I think their fourth linebacker is a transfer portal guy. But on offense, a lot of transfer portal versus Texas that on both sides of the ball, very little sort of transfer portal influence. I mean, they've got a great recruiting base in in Texas, and they can mm -hmm. recruit nationally as well because they're a national brand. Yep. I think. You know, over time, I think Stark also, uh, you know, inherited a roster that was pretty solid when he came on board. Yeah. I don't think Texas has ever been devout or devoid of talent. Um, they've just had issues in terms of who's running the program and how they run it. 
Uh, they've even had flashes where they've gotten 10, 11 wins and then sunk back down to mediocrity. Um, that's because of the, and that speaks to the talent they have. So to me, Sark inherited a great situation and he's just taken it to a different level by continuing to stock the roster. He had enough guys on the roster that he could count on that were a little bit older and now he's built it up through his own recruiting and it's only going to get better. They continue to recruit well at Texas. Uh, Alabama's defense, we'll talk about them just because they're the SEC champs. They they dethroned Georgia. Um, they only really got three transfers in terms of uh, guys that are sort of rotational players on that defense. Two of them are starters, Tresman Marshall, their middle linebacker, and then their free safety, Jalen Key. They got Jalen Key out of UAB. I forget which school Marshall came from. He's their uh, middle linebacker. And then on offense, Alabama's number one wide receiver, Jermaine Burton. They got him from Georgia, and then their tight end, C.J. Uh, Dupre, he's from Maryland. But again, very similar Saban sort of approach, right, uh, to, to Sark. And Sark was, was on that staff along with Mario. In the end, both of those guys, I think, prefer their own homegrown guys versus, you know, big transfer portal sort of transfusions. Well, like we said, I think it's for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think Nick Saban trusts his evaluations of players more than he trusts other coaches' evaluations of players. So yeah. he has a – which is basically what Mario's taken, right? He's he's taken that blueprint of how Saban evaluates guys and his recruiting process and tried to transition that into Miami and add some of his own flavor to it. Um, but Saban believes in the way he he looks at guys and how he rates people and who he, how he builds out his board. So it's very difficult for him to turn around and say, okay, well, I made a mistake. Let me go out and get somebody else. Uh, it's very rare when he does that. When he does go out there and go in the portal, he's not landing role players. He's not landing guys that are, are, are don't seem to be very talented. He's landing people that have been successful at other programs and say they'd be a fit. And for yeah. him, it's not just the talent. It's also the cultural fit because, you know, he's a tyrant and he needs to make sure these guys can deal with it. He's got, uh, I'm counting this here, one, two, three, four, four, five-star guys on his defense that are starters. Caleb Downs, the freshman All-American safety, uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, uh, the top cornerback and probably might be the top cornerback taken in the draft. Chris Braswell, who plays the Jack for him and edge rusher Dallas Turner, uh, who they plucked uh top 10 recruit in 2021 here out of St. Thomas Aquinas, another pass rusher. Uh, he's got a couple of five stars that are part of the rotation um, that are backups. I mean, you look at the defense. I mean, they are a bunch of top 100 recruits on that side of the ball. Uh, if you, if you're Mario Cristobal, that's what you aspire to do. You want to have an Alabama, <laughs> type defense because even when they're not getting great quarterback play Carlos right when Jalen Milrow was figuring things out and everybody's like oh this is the year Alabama's going down they're going to lose three four games they're going to be done why did they continue to win well because Mar uh, because Nick Saban continued to recruit elite players on defense and they just brought those guys up and if you look at the numbers of career starts uh, on this team and, and career snaps Outside of the secondary for Alabama, there's a lot of young guys playing for him. I mean, you got Dallas Turner, who's an edge rusher. He's got 25 career starts, but most of these other dudes, 15 career starts or less. So um, kudos to Nick Saban and just the kind of machine that he's built there in Tuscaloosa. And, you know, eventually I think that's where Mario wants to get. If you think back to the greatest hurricane teams of all time, you know, the national champions or those that nearly won a national championship, Miami was better on defense than offense. They were always better on defense. Yes, Miami had great offenses, but the one thing that really was a characteristic that Miami was built around built around was dominant defenses that were athletic and physical. You know, you think back to even 2001, 
it was the defense that saved the season against Boston College. Uh, it was the defense that made big plays against Florida State to win that game, to get that game out of, out of reach. You know, you have explosive players on offense, and it's sexy, but if it wasn't for the defenses, you know, I don't think Gino Toretta is, is winning a national championship in 91. I don't think you're winning it in 89. You know, certainly not in 83 when you had the uh, the play, the two-point conversion play, and shut down probably the best offense in college football that year in Nebraska. So that's how teams are built. They're built from the inside out, and they're built primarily on defense. Because, like, you know, when it comes to basketball, you're going to have off-shooting nights, right? You're going to have days that your offense can't move the football. You need a defense to shut the other team down, or at the very least get you more possessions to give you the opportunity to score at something. Yeah. Uh, let's get into some mailbag questions and wrap this puppy up, uh, Carlos. Uh, we got a, a bunch of questions here. Uh, this one's from Omar345, OTMar345 on Twitter. Is finishing the season with eight wins and a bowl game victory considered successful for Mario's year two? I, I think the judgment on Mario's year two ended at the end of the regular season. I think whether or not he wins this bowl game, to me, doesn't make a difference in terms of the evaluation of the season. I think it was better than last year, clearly, by the record. It could have been better, if not for, uh, you know. It's a bone coaching decisions. I'm not going to mention the knee incident again. Knee incident. Anyway, um, so, yeah, I think the evaluation is done. I think it was successful. I think the recruiting class puts a, a prettier bow on it and it makes you feel better going into the offseason. Now it's got to translate into more wins during the regular season and stop losing your own games because you refuse to go on Ben and D like boys to men. <laughs> Uh, I agree, Carlos. And I'll, and I'll say this, top 50 offense, top 50 defense in a lot of categories. Um, so you you improved substantially, I think, from a um, philosophy standpoint. You've upgraded the roster. It's no longer, I think, tainted with, with, with problematic type guys. I think the issue for Mario is he needs to get a quarterback that is going to be effective. And and help them win games and not help them lose games. And that's what that's the difference here from going from eight, you know, potentially eight wins to 10 to 11 wins. And I don't know if that guy's on the roster yet. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, this is from uh, David Hern Hernandez, D Hernan underscore on Twitter. What player are you excited to see in the bowl game that hasn't played much this year? For me, it's McCoy and uh, Jay Wayne. Uh, Ray Ray Joseph, I'd like to see get some more run. I want to see how explosive the kid is. He really didn't get any opportunities to be explosive during the regular season. Let's see him get the ball in open space and see what he can do. Let's see if he's really everything he's been hyped up to be. And I think after a year of being with the program or a full season, uh, now he's a, a, a college player. He's no longer considered a high school kid jumping into college. So let's see what he can yeah. do. I agree. I want to see Ahmad Moten, the D-tackle. Miami went out and signed a bunch of D-linemen. Moten's a guy who I think had an interception, right, in the Boston College game. He's going to yeah. get a lot of run in this game because Leonard Taylor is out. I always look at D tackles. You know, what do you have there? What kind of depth do you have at that position? I want to see that. I think I agree with you on the on the receiver front. Uh, I'm interested to see if we finally uh, get to watch uh, Trevante Citizen carry the ball a few times. I saw he was featured in a couple of photos. And then obviously Jakari Brown. Uh, you know, is there a quarterback in there? Is there a guy who can lead your program? Um, you know, is there a need? to um you know absolutely go out and get a transfer portal quarterback or has Jakari Brown secretly been busting his ass behind the scenes and we're going to see some amazing quarterback play. Uh those are all guys that I want to see and I want to see more out of uh Damari Brown, the young cornerback. He's I think he's going to be their number one corner next year. Uh you saw it towards the end of the season. Um, I want to see what they got at safety. You know, does Markeith Williams and Jaden Harris, how, how do they play? 
you know, do they just stick Jaden Davis back there and, and, and let the older guys, that's what they're going to do. They said they were going to put Jaden Davis back there. I think to Corey couch as well uh, to play safety and, and um, you know, let Porter and, and Damari Brown, but I want to see, you know, what kind of run do the other young safeties get? Uh, those are, those are all interesting positions for me. Um, Go ahead, Carlos. You're going to say something. Conspiracy 34. So uh, what if, the uh, the reason why they haven't signed Cam Ward yet is really is the Hurricanes wanting to see Jakari Brown in this bowl game to see if it, what he's been doing in practice translates onto the field. That is a Hurricanes Twitter conspiracy theory. I don't subscribe to it, but there you go. Yeah, I don't subscribe to it either. What should we expect out of Manny Diaz's year one at Duke with the staff and transfers he's acquired so far? This is from Sam Knowlton. Good question, Sam, because Miami plays Duke next year. I think picking up Malik Murphy in the transfer portal was huge for them. I think anytime Duke is good, um, besides what they they do on defense. They always got a quarterback who can who can make plays. They lost Riley Leonard. Uh, you know they had Daniel Jones a few years ago who who helped lead them to, to some wins. Uh, I think Manny can be a bowl team. I think Manny can keep Duke among the bowl teams. I think you know that's that's what I would think they expect for year one. Do I think they can win the conference? Not not in year one. They're they're losing a lot of guys. Yeah, I think getting Malik Murphy is a big splash. I think that's going to help him with uh, recruiting in terms of the portal in the spring as well moving forward. Um, because he landed a major prospect coming out of the Blue Blood program. And that guy is basically saying to everybody, hey, I believe what's going on and what's going on here. I think you can build a really good program. Come follow me over here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kudos to Manny for getting that done. Let's see how it turns out in the regular season. This is from Jake, Jake Campbell, 10. Uh, given Mario's reputation with talent acquisition, 2023 has a chance to be one of the more talented teams Miami has had in years. With back-to-back top seven classes and potential key portal pieces, assuming Cam Ward comes. How does this roster compare to teams of the recent past? Well, just comparing them to the last couple of teams, if you get Cam Ward, to me, he is a bigger version of De'Aaron King. And Miami's best yeah. quarterback, you could argue, in the last 15 years was De'Aaron King, right? He led them uh, you know, to eight wins in the, in the COVID-shortened season. He was explosive. He was a playmaker. They won games because of De'Aaron King. Um, so I think... You know, that would be a huge upgrade if they can get Cam Ward. I think the rest of the team, I, I think defensively, they've taken a step forward in a lot of areas. Um, obviously, you're counting on some young, uh, you know, new D tackles to contribute, some transfers to contribute. We don't know. Um, what, what's your take, Carlos, when you look at it? How does this roster compare to teams of the recent past? The one that well, I think built? it's, yeah, I think it's clearly better than year one. It's going to be better than this past year. I think, like you said, it all hinges on Cam Ward. If you get the right quarterback in there, uh, or even if it's not Cam Ward, if it's a KJ Jefferson or if Jakari Brown proves in the bowl game, it could be him. Yeah. If you have the right quarterback in this system and you provide the players with the tools necessary to be able to go out there and score points, like using motions, using formations, using different things to try and disguise what you're doing on offense and help your players get the ball, your playmakers, in space uh, with opportunities to make plays and make things happen, I think you're going to be very successful. That's that's the key. It's not just a talent at this point. I think it's there's the, the two main things moving forward. There's enough talent to make things happen. Is what are you doing from a coaching perspective to put these players in the best position to be successful? And two, do these players have the mental makeup now to go through a full season and be successful and not let things uh, from the past sort of get them down? Fight through adversity. Fight through times when they're when things aren't going right, uh, and try and turn the tide and earn victories out of the jaws of defeat, which is something we still haven't seen the program really do yet. It's from Mike Jones, Jonesy713. Uh, Always been curious what exactly reclassifying means in recruiting. Besides the obvious, does that mean they've cleared all their classes to graduate a year early? Mike, it's really easy to graduate 
uh, high school quickly nowadays with online courses. Uh, kids basically want to get into college early. And so reclassifying for, for a lot of, we've seen it with multiple kids now. I mean, Armando Blunt is, is part of this Miami class. He's going to be 16 years old when he starts classes That's at insane. Miami in January. So, uh, yeah, it just means that they finished all of their classes. But it's it's really easy to graduate now compared to the way it used to be. A lot of headaches and stuff like that. Uh, this is from Nick Green, Big Juice 52. With the freshman linebacker and DL class that we signed this year and last year, how good and deep is our front seven going to be? Also, is Caleb Spencer going to play safety tomorrow? I remember hearing good things about him in the spring and fall camp this year. Good question, Nick. I don't know if Caleb's going to play. Big body, I really like him um, in terms of hitting and his physicality. Uh, I want to see the way that he develops and takes a step forward. Obviously, uh, Lance Gidry works with the safety, so uh, it's kind of like the whole Nick Saban thing. Nick Saban works with his DBs. Uh, I want to see what kind of leap uh, Caleb Spencer takes, and and we'll see. We'll see if he's if he's gonna if he's gonna be out there. I like the freshman linebackers and, and defensive linemen. They're just bigger bodies. They're so much bigger physically than they than they have been. Yeah. And it's it's impressive to see man. I can't, I can't imagine being 16 years old, being your freshman, being a freshman college. <laughs> that's the, that's and, and being with a you, massive, huh? yeah, and being a massive human being like that. Look, speaks to your point. You're saying these guys are getting bigger and stronger as as they come yeah. in. And yeah, he's six four, two fifty, by the way. Armando Blunt. My God, that's uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of man at 16. Jesus, how do you, how do you teach that in class? Like if he's being disruptive, like <laughs> hey, Armando, be quiet. What? Throws me out the window. <laughs> All right, this is from uh, George DTA. Did Raul violate the terms of his probation by making the trip to New York City? Uh, no, he cannot uh, leave the Dade County area due to his ankle restraint. So, no. Um, however, Raul will be, will be watching the game, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be drinking coquito himself because he likes that as a holiday treat. So, uh, yeah, don't worry about it. Raul's, Raul's plugged in, as always. Still uh, still doing some things that are you know skirting the legality of uh, societal law, but other than that, he's good. Nick Strong, uh, KY Kane, 23, says, no question this week. Just wanted to say love the show. And KY stands for Kentucky, since Carlos always referred to it as the jelly. Go Canes from Louisville, Kentucky. First of all, Nick, thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Happy holidays to you and your family. Happy New Year. Um, I have only alluded to that being the case. I've never said it. So now you have a guilty conscience. You have to <laughs> clarify that it says Kentucky. <laughs> Guess what, my man? You just outed yourself. This is uh, from Asher Wildman. Uh, just wanted to say Happy New Year and hope you guys had a great Christmas. Appreciate the pot all year, which was always phenomenal, and the writing you do for The Athletic. Have a great 2024 for you both. And Go Kane's got a nice picture there of uh, of our of our buddy. Oh, Go Kane. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, this is from Rashawn954. If Jakari looks amazing in the bowl game, do you see Mario waiting much longer for a decision from the transfer QB target and maybe moving on to a solid backup with experience type? I don't know, Rashawn. I still think he gets a, a transfer portal quarterback. I yeah, and too. define amazing. Like, if yeah. he throws for 550 yards and six touchdowns, then maybe. But, you know, again, this is Rutgers. We're not, we're not facing Ohio State. This isn't, uh, you know, the steel curtain in the 1970s from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, let's, let's keep it in perspective. Now, you know, remember last year, Jakari's line against Georgia Tech was like 13 of 19 for 105, 15, 25, 30 yards. Yeah. Uh, so if it's better than that, that's great. That's a good sign. But, you know, I, it has to be leaps and bounds better than anything he put on tape last year for him to even be in consideration for the starting job uh, in, in comparison to the portal guy and Emory Williams. Because apparently, listen, 
let's be honest here. There's there's one of two things that have happened here, right? Number one, Mario does not believe in this guy, doesn't think he's going to be the quarterback of the future, which is why he has not played him to this point. Because there was opportunities, right? Yeah. There, he, he, there was opportunities to plug him in and say, let's feature this guy. Let's get packages in. Let's keep him happy because we don't want him hitting the transfer portal. This is our guy. Uh, or we at least want him to compete for the job next year. Didn't do it. Or number two, Jakar himself was like, listen, I'm not getting the shot. I'd rather not play. I don't want to be a part of this. Let me save myself for another program. And then what ends up happening is if he comes out and he shines, it's going to make the staff look like shit because everybody's going to be like, hey, where the hell has this guy been all season? We've been struggling. We needed a quarterback. Why didn't you play him sooner? Or he's going to play poorly, and then everybody's going to be like, why didn't the staff develop him? What kind of coaching do you have? What are you doing, Shannon Dawson? Either way, it's a bad spot for Mario. Um, hopefully, at the very least, it ends up with a win for the Hurricanes, so it's not that bitter. Carlos, I got to wrap up here uh, because I got to get to this other show that I'm recording. Yeah, here yeah because my, you have and... more important things to do than to speak to me. You have a national program that you got to go on to speak about recruiting. No, we can't no, no. talk about Ferris Bueller's day off. We, we can't talk about other things that we want to talk about during the holidays, like Home Alone versus Die Hard, which is a better Christmas movie. No, you have Elf. to go do real, real, real important shit. Elf is not the greatest. The greatest Christmas movie of all time, my friend, is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. There is no argument. All right. All right. We can have an argument off air about this. Last comment from Tyler Overly. Can you DM me your shipping address so I can send you a Miami hat you can play pickleball in? Asking on behalf of all Kings fans who want me to get rid of that FSU hat. All right. Well, listen, man, I will uh, I will get back to you, uh, Tyler. Appreciate the gesture. Um, guys, happy new year to everybody. This is the last episode of the year, barring some major Cam Ward news or, or quarterback news in the coming days. Uh, we will be back with thoughts on the pinstripe bowl. We'll talk about the transfer portal. Uh, we will have more shows as the year uh, gets started. Uh, I will be doing a lot of stuff on the transfer portal because I think that that's sort of an underserved uh, topic so far, Carlos. But we got to wrap up. So happy new year to everyone who's followed us here at Wide Right. Thank you guys for all the support you've showed us. And Carlos, make sure that you uh, that you get some people to buy some more T-shirts from you. You want to sell your T-shirts here before we hang up? Just hit me up on uh, MIA level on uh, Twitter X and uh, I'll give you all the information. We're going to be putting out some more designs soon, getting our website up soon been waiting to fine-tune things in terms of the process before we do that also happy new year guys thank you for all the support thank you for uh putting it up with us for an entire year if you guys have any ideas of stuff you want us to do during the offseason in terms of content leave it in the comments on youtube yes or hit idea. us on twitter or hit us on twitter either one we're always available carlos Lello, thank you happy new year brother talk to you soon peace this all about the you, you.